In this episode, we look back at 2023 and look ahead to 2024. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about founders who are in it for the long haul. I'm Rick, and I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. And I'm Tyler. On the side, I work with Rick on Leg Up Health, but my main business is a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. All right. Hello, Rick. It's a special episode. We're doing... I called... It's the mega episode. The mega episode, yes. We do this once a year where we look back at the previous year, we look forward to the next year, and it it normally takes like an hour and a half. We'll see it we'll see how long it takes this time. No predictions this year though. Yeah, yes. We've decided in past years we've made predictions about what we think will happen in the following years. I I think I originally proposed that because other podcasts I listen to do that and I find it interesting to listen to. But I was trying to come up with them this year and I was like, A, I've got nothing. And B, looking back at all our predictions, they're normally just so wrong that they're not even interesting. <laughs> or so boring that they're right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So anyway. maybe we, we'll see how much time we have at the end. We could, if we want, laugh about at least mine from last year were pretty wrong. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll have time for that. Maybe not. Uh, yeah. How do you want to, do, do you want to, so the, the kind of basic format here, we're going to go through personal updates from last year, professional updates from last year. And then start talking about next year, both personal and professional. Um, we've got what is our biggest worry and what do we want to learn? Those are kind of the main categories. Uh, do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Yeah, you go first. All right. So I'll start with personal updates from last year, um, starting with what what I said my goals were going to be last year. So I, I uh, went back and read the notes from last year, and I think I kind of struggled to come up with personal goals because I was pretty much like, I'm happy. Things are good. I just want to maintain. But the goals I set were number one, take more vacation and make up for it uh, with extra work days. And I think what I especially meant by that is like, I don't want to be a nine to fiver. I want to be in the early days of Less Knowing CRM. I was, yes, I was working really hard. It was more common for me to work at night and over the weekend, but also I wouldn't feel guilty about taking a Wednesday off to go skiing or whatever. Um, I think I did some of, uh, some of that this year. I'm giving my, myself partial credit. I didn't. I still don't work nights and weekends as much as I once did, or maybe even as much as I'd like to. But I do think I did a better job of like taking vacation, taking more vacation. Um, I'm still within like the allowed amount within our budget, but kind of, I'm I, I, I'm more willing to. Oh, you know, I I did spend four hours over the weekend, and I you know it's one p.m. on a Tuesday, and I want to watch TV. I'm going to go watch TV. I think I did more of that type of thing. Cool. But still, like, do you feel like you did more work? Did you do more work on the weekends? Um, it, it's hard to say. One of my things here is that I also started doing leg up health work. And mm. I, I think I did about the same amount of less annoying work as last year. And then add the leg up health work on top of that. Yes, I think in total I did more work. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested as we reflect on what wh- how you feel about leg up health. Um because like half the year you did, you, there was no leg up health. Half the year there was, um, and mm-hmm. that wasn't part of the plan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I am, I also wasn't sure. Do I put that under my personal goals or professional? Yeah. Like it's obviously professional, but like in this podcast, you're representing leg up health, and I'm representing less annoying yeah, CRM. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, one of my other goals. Well, we'll talk more about leg up. I'm sure. One of my other goals was um to so I listen to this podcast called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And it has this concept of like, what's your rich life? It, it all this sounds really cringe. Like, it's not as bad as it sounds by the name, but the idea of like, 
you should have a vision for what you want to do with your money that would actually make you happy. And so a year ago, Shelly and I had our first kind of like family meeting about this. Like if we have extra money, what would we want to spend it on? And what we decided is renovating the house uh, to make it better for entertaining people, basically. So I kind of, those renovations were one of the goals. I did the input. We start, we got started on it early last year, like in March or something. Um, we just got the architect's plans back like a week ago. So no, no work is, we still have to find contractors to actually do the work. We are still so early in the process. I hate it. Hey, but at least you'll be able to like deal, deal with the contractors and directly because you're, you're managing it all. And if people aren't doing it to suit you, you just find someone else. Yeah, I guess. Does that really strike you as one of my qualities, though? Uh, (laughs) Oh, I think that looks bad. Uh, Can you please fix that? I'm going to write a bad Yelp review after this is over. (laughs) Is Shelly going to manage this or are you managing this? Yeah, our general dynamic, we both chip in 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 different ways uh, in our kind of household, but Mm. anything that involves interacting with other humans generally falls on her plate. Um, Mm. That's probably a good plan. Thankfully, my parents have been through a, re- a a successful remodel somewhat recently, and they may be able to help us out with how to manage this stuff. Because can you use similar the same contractors? Um, I don't think that's the plan. I think they we used their architect, but not their contractors at their cool. recommendation. Um, cool. So that's still ongoing, but I th- I think I feel okay about what we did there. Um. So you made a little bit of progress towards your rich life. A little bit. Yep. The thing is, to be clear, our house is like really nice and like super move in ready. Like these aren't like, oh, we're living with black mold type renovations. It's like <laughs> when I'm making cocktails, I can't talk to the people in the dining room. That's what we're <laughs> really talking about here. <laughs> so it's That's very awesome. much non-essential. <laughs> um, and then the, so those are the two goals I set a year ago. Uh, my other like updates. So, yeah, um, one. For the first time in like almost a decade, I found a new band that I like. Hmm. Um, I used to love, I still love music, but I, I just listen to the same shit that I always listened to. I, I don't know about you. Do, do you like, Very are you much. even into music uh, really? I, I, no, I, I have, I love music. Sable will tell you that I love music. Um, I have a son who's pretty much in every room. Yeah. I and, remember that. Uh, yeah. And I, I listen all day, every day. And it's mostly stuff that like was written a decade or plus ago. Yeah. So same. I think of a new band, like one of the, oh, I just got into this band as someone that I started listening to in like 2009 or something. Yep. Um, but this band is Caligula's Horse. I don't expect the audience to, Caligula's I mean, this is like, horse. yes. <laughs> what <laughs> is that Caligula? Like a, Caligula was a Roman empire uh, emperor, I think, or something like that. Um, oh, great. I don't, what kind of music is it? Is it metal? So it's like prog metal. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> screaming metal. The the vocals aren't uh heavy, but the the music is pretty heavy. Um I just really like them. Uh I thought maybe this is like, oh, let's go on like see all the similar artists and listen to all of them. I didn't like any of the other ones, unfortunately, but uh, I've I've been listening to their few albums nonstop. Qu- question on this. How did you discover them? Was it Spotify introducing you to them or was it a person? It was a person. I was mm. at uh, a wedding. And someone else at that wedding who I knew in San Francisco, but I don't really talk too much now, he was like, hey, listen to this band. You'll like them. And he was absolutely right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've am i I've wanted Spotify to introduce me to new music. And sometimes it works, but it's usually old music that I should have known already. It's not new music. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, people are the best source of music recommendations. If you just ask people, you probably find some other good stuff. Yeah. 
the problem is I'm I'm pretty picky or I'm pretty specific in what I like and uh most did people you, would not give me recommendations that I would find valuable. Did, how did this guy uh suss you up like and really make the make such a good recommendation? We've we've bonded over music. Like we both play guitar and mm. um like we share a lot of common music interests and he he likes a lot more than I do. So he like also listens to jazz and whatever, but he was like this one band I think and and he just nailed it. I listened to it like Normally, I have to listen to a song like 20 times before I actually like it. This one, I, the first time I listened to it, I was just like, wow, awesome. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. And then uh, I, for the first time in my adult life, I feel good about my exercise routine, um, which mostly I, in the past, I wouldn't call what I'm doing now an exercise routine. I think I let perfect be the enemy of good, where I was like, because you know, when I was younger, I was in very good shape. I played water polo. I was on the varsity swim team. I was in like really good shape. And as an adult, I kept kind of being like, if I'm doing exercise that won't get me back in that level of shape, it's not even really exercise. And this year, I think I finally just was like, I'm 38. I'm an adult. I'm not going to get intense cardio. I'm not going to be jacked. Uh, so I started just doing push-ups and rucking. Are you familiar with rucking? What is ru- That sounds awful. It's... Uh, it's an incredibly douchey name. It's based on like military people carrying rucksacks around, like basically hiking with weight on your back. Oh. Um, I don't, I don't love like, I'm not trying to be a paramilitary dude walking around the park near my house, but the idea is, yeah, I, I don't mind walking. That's one of the few types of exercise that just doesn't annoy me. And it's just like, if you're walking, just put 40 pounds of weight or however much on your back and it goes from being not really exercise to being like sort of kind of exercise. That's smart. And do you have like a special backpack you wear or is it just like you put some books in a bag and put it on your back? They make special backpacks uh, that, so my dad introduced me to this concept. He, he's the uh, the OG rucker that I know, but he tested out some of the ones they sell specifically for rucking and advised against them because they, they like basically carry all the weight on your shoulders, all of the like mm. special rucking ones. Um, my dad suggested, and I think I agree, like basically a hiking backpack with a waist strap. You look like an idiot walking around a city wearing this, but, uh, it puts the weight more on your whole abdomen instead of just on your shoulders, which is probably better for your body. Mm, interesting. So I just and have like a camelback hiking backpack that, full this of is so weights. smart. I, I'm probably, I think this is a great idea. Yeah. Cause, and it's still easy enough that like, it's not that different from walking, but like my watch is like, hey, you're you're exercising. Good job. <laughs> Where if I walk, it doesn't say that, you know. <laughs> so this is the first time you felt good about it. Yeah, I could. Th- I've gone through stints where I would exercise, but I hated it. Like it was, it's never been sustainable. It's like I'll go run on a treadmill, and the whole time I'm just like, oh, I fucking hate this. I want to stop. <laughs> We've got a Peloton. I that was a little better, but I didn't really like that. This is this routine I've got now, which is push-ups and rucking, and that's it. Uh, I've done it for six months, and like I kind of look forward to it. It's it's just not a burden at all. Does it clear your head too? Um, I mean, I was already walking this amount, so or no, like I think you need to exercise to like feel good. I I don't yeah. need that at all. I, I feel great being totally sedentary. Yeah, interesting. You know, got to got to get some exercise. I know. <laughs> um, so that's all my updates, except like up health again. I don't know where to put that, but uh, maybe I'll put I'll it talk in professional. To- yeah, yeah, put it in professional. Um, so that's my personal stuff. How about you? 
Uh, yeah, and and I don't know. Like, do we do we go like through like full updates, or do we talk about our personal goals as part of the reflection and update? Um, you mean like our goals for next year? Yeah, that's we've got that late lower in the notion doc. So okay. I think in the past we've waited on that. Wait, okay, cool. So like, yeah, so my personal goals. I think like first half of the year, if I reflect, I did a really good job. And then the second half of the year, I, I did not do such a great job. So they, I had two main ones. Um, the first was get my weight below 200 pounds. I was I started the year about 220, uh, to put that in perspective. So it was a 20 pound uh, loss. Um, and then my other goal was to write a newsletter most Sundays. And I basically set a goal of writing uh, 26 newsletters, which is the number of weeks, 52 divided by two. So basically a newsletter every week. And I was pacing pretty well on both of these. I was at 210 in July. And I was also um, from, a, from a weight standpoint. And I, I had written about you know, 13, 14, 12 or 13 newsletters um, uh, through July. And then um, a, a new baby came. And uh, we bought a house. And it didn't go well. And I just like totally lost control. I felt like I lost control over this. Which is so silly to say when you're reflecting. Because the minute I started reflecting on all this as part of this episode, I was like, I'm such an idiot. I could have done something about this way sooner. What What would you have done? Because my like, I I saw what you're describing. I saw that like the second half of the year was not your best. Uh, <laughs> no. You were not thriving during this period. No. But you already had one of the most demanding day jobs of anyone I know, and we're running a startup on top of it, and have other interests. And then a new child is introduced, and it's like, okay, that's enough. And then you had this fairly disastrous house purchasing process which that feels to me like what really put you over the top is that is that right it was uh, frankly it was well i think um i think the 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 having the second kid rocked my world in that um two kids is so much harder than one i don't care what anyone says <laughs> at least for me it was i i just didn't um i guess like i there it, with one kid you you kind of can pass the potato and it's Oh, I'm. I could go for a walk, or yeah. I can go exercise, or I can go to sleep. I can do. I can do whatever I want to for this night or this morning, with two kids. And when one of them's like three months old, it's like no, no. I'm now on on like you know. I have the potato twenty four seven while uh, Sable's taking care of this other baby who needs her. <laughs> yeah, and that rocked my world. I think that was like the first one that pushed me to the edge. And then when the house, like it was, the house was originally supposed to be done in July. I don't think we moved in until October or November. Um, and once that started getting delayed and interest rates started going up and the quality of, of finishing started to, you know, like to get questionable, I was just, uh, that, that definitely like put me over the edge for sure. But yeah. it, but it, if I could go back and do it differently, it's like none of the stuff I could have controlled. But what I could have controlled is waking up in the morning and doing the two things that are that made me feel good, which are exercising and writing. And uh, you know, but what would you have cut? Like, so if 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 I said that, that would be a hundred percent true. I could be like, instead of sitting and watching Netflix for two hours, I could have exercised. You were just sitting around worrying. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I think if I continue now that we're like at a, at a breaking point, like a break, like we've moved, the baby's now six months old. Like now it's time to make some changes. Maybe you're right. Like for the last six months, I could, I couldn't have, I just did the best I could. I survived. But um, if I continue this, this rate, like it is not okay. Yeah. 
I I, uh, I totally get that. B- back to that podcast that I listened to. This is one of he's you know generally like you need to be disciplined about finances, but he's also like sometimes you have a period where you just like you just had a, a kid's the one he always gives. He's like you just had a new kid, pay for help, pay for whatever you need, go into debt, work it out later. This is not the time to be a hero. That's what he always yeah, says. Totally agree. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so sorry, sorry to hear that you aren't feeling great about your goals, but it sounds like everything's kind of calmed down and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, things have calmed down. Um, we, we still have this two kids and so we're in this, uh, sort of habit of splitting time, like one of us takes one kid, one of us takes the other, and we're we're both on all the time instead of having like intentional schedules around like, oh, I'll have both kids, uh, you know, this morning. You'll have both mm-hmm. kids in the evening, and that allow allow us to have some personal time. So I think uh, you know this gets into my personal goals, but it's it's uh, it, we're at a period now where we can um, come together as a family, make some changes to how we are doing things to free up pockets of time for other priorities, um, yeah. and, and, and manage it better going forward. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited to hear about that. Do you, I know you asked earlier and I said, we, we do professional updates first. Do you want to just do personal goals so you can, yeah, I, I feel right like it, sometimes like it's, it's useful to kind of hear how like you're reflecting on something and then it's like, how does that ping pong into, um, into, you know, what you're prioritizing for the new year? I'm happy to mm-hmm. do that if you think that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so basically I, I failed at life, per, my personal goals, uh, second half of the year. I'm now in a place at life. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I did like it was bad. Um, when we get to our, my biggest worry, I'm gonna go ahead and say my biggest worry. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm totally going to flip this. My biggest there's worry is no that, order here. Go yeah, there's ahead. no order. So my, so one of the things we have on here is biggest worry. So my biggest worry like, and I, when I wrote it down as part of this, I realized how stupid this worry is because I can totally control this. But my biggest worry right now is that I won't figure out how to prioritize and manage my personal health as I build a family. Um, and instead of, I spend more time worrying about this. Like if I, if I just like went for walks during the times I spent worrying about this, I'd probably have a six pack. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's, but, but it's, it's so stupid, but like, that's, that's my biggest worry right now is like, how am I going to have like personal time? to do the things that make me happy, you know, like not, and I'm not saying that having a family doesn't make me happy and having a business doesn't make me happy. But like, I feel like I've, you know, as part of not hitting my goals for last year, like I lost a very important, a, a, a kind of a input, a daily input or a weekly input that is critical to my happiness. Um, and, and so, uh, I want to change that big time with my personal goals this year. It sounds similar to a thing I've expressed about myself in the past, which is like, there's, the things you enjoy in the moment, like eating ice cream or whatever, and there's the things you enjoy that you find fulfilling long term. And what I enjoy doing at work is coding, but what I find most fulfilling is like culture and team building and stuff, but I don't actually like doing that. Mm-hmm. So I need to do the coding to keep myself engaged to do the stuff that long term I prefer. It sounds like personal health is that. I, I, ice cream was a bad example because it's the opposite of eating ice cream, but you know, it's the ice cream in this analogy, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, and perhaps, you know, I need, um, it's also fulfilling long-term, right? Like, uh, there's a lot of, of compounding that comes from that. But what I heard from that was I need to like, uh, put my ice cream, uh, 
freezer drawer next to the uh, uh, Peloton, and uh, I, I get my ice cream when I uh, do my Peloton. Yeah, but I I think everyone's been in the situation. I certainly have been in the situation mm-hmm. where, yeah, like there's all this important stuff to do. There are things you want to do, but you know they're not. In your case, it uh, right health is long term important, but I mean it's not like you're uh, like morbidly obese here or anything. <laughs> yeah. Like you could you could continue doing what you're doing forever. But um, you'll be happier if you can make time for it. But how yeah. do you balance that with other stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I and I and I sacrificed it intentionally for other things the last six months. And you know, fine. But I I know that if I do that, I'll, I'll it's a it's a path pa- it's a pathway to misery for me. So yeah. my my goals and themes for personal this year are pretty boring. Like I basically just want to rebuild. I don't care how many news. I don't care if I write a single newsletter. I don't care if I like lose any weight. I just want to get back to like exercising daily, writing daily, like that habit of just like doing the things that make me happy. And if I don't ever publish a newsletter, if we're doing this in a year and I don't publish, mm-hmm. I haven't published a single newsletter, that's okay. But if I've written some stuff and I'm proud of that and I'm happy, and I, I feel good about it, you know, great. But you know, the thing is when I start writing stuff, I'm going to want to publish it. So it, that stuff will take care of itself. Um, so that's one. Uh, the second is, um, this is something that Sable asked for. Um, so, so one, one impact of the worrying thing, which is primarily around personal health, um, is that I'm not present with my family and it's also work, you know, bringing work home. And so when I'm with my family, sometimes I'm not necessarily someone who's goes on their phone and like gets distracted that way, but my brain goes elsewhere. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to try to figure out how to be like more, intentional about being present when I'm with my family. And I think like both of these, uh, well, all these have a theme. I'll get through the next two. Other two goals are regular dates with Sable. I want to get back to two, uh, per month minimum, just to give this, put this in perspective. I think Sable and I've had two, exactly two dates in the last six months. Um, so I want to get to two a month. <laughs> those are rookie numbers, Rick, get those yeah, up. <laughs> I know it's bad. And you know, if you don't, it's, it's, it's yeah, I have no, I have no explanation other than what I've already said. So, um, and then I would like to, what, one thing that I, we did, we haven't done, um, really since the baby came is gone on vacation and this Christmas break has reminded me of how important it is just to have an intentional breaking period where it forces like dead time and you go, oh, well, I'm doing really well there. I'm failing there. And you know, oh, I just need a break. Like, and I get mm-hmm. that energy refilled. And so I'd like to do four vacations. And the caveat here is um, uh, have one, at least one scheduled at all times to look forward to. So like, and, and, and ideally they would be, you know, there would not be like nine, more than 90 days without a vacation throughout the year. Yeah. So um, I think if I do those four things, like it'll get me back on the right path and then we can have another kid and it'll all get ruined again. Um, but it'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> uh that's a problem for future Rick. <laughs> future Rick, yeah. But all these uh, require Sable and I to adjust our schedule around having two kids and and de- both having demanding jobs. And so there's some work that I need to do with Sable to like rearrange how we think about our responsibilities. Um, to you know, from childcare to work to when we sleep and eat and all like all those good things. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to be too clinical about this, but it kind of seems like all of these things boil down to project management, sort of. Yep. I know in the moment you're like, 
you wake up with a headache, feeling tired, and you're like, I'm not going to work out. And it certainly doesn't feel like project management when you're lying in bed. But yeah, scheduling and and it all the all the rules we've talked about, like having buffer, like you have like if you 100 percent book every single moment of every day, then you're fragile. Right. Yep. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is, uh, you know, is, is that uh, we're, we're both stable and and I are, are fully booked and we basically, we basically only have you know, cutting into sleeping hours, uh, in order to do personal things, which is vicious, uh, because you need sleep. Like, yeah. so, um, but, but, but the other challenging thing is like, it's different when you're single is like, this requires collaboration, right? Like Sable and I have to agree. I can't just like decide not to show up for the kids. Like I, that, that would not go well for me. Right. Um, and so, uh, that's the hard thing about this is it requires like, a project joint project management versus like, Oh, I'm just going to change my schedule tomorrow and everything's gonna be great. No, that's not how it works when you're married and have kids. Um, yeah. And then, uh, the the other thing I want to do is this is similar to your thing that you had last year, which is I want to figure out, I think this will help with me being more present is if every day I'm coming, like kind of going to work at nine, coming home at five, like I, that doesn't work for me. Like I, Mm -hmm. I need, I need, a. Uh, a night or two or a couple more early mornings where I can just like go, go deep into work and like where no one's going to interrupt me. And so I want to try getting a couple nights, um, where I'm late in the office, you know, getting ahead of work versus reacting to it. Yeah. Yeah. I obviously, I mean, that's very similar to the kind of, uh, work longer and take more vacation goal I had from last year. I, I totally get where you're coming from where, there's a sense of guilt, even even if even if I'm done with everything and no one's waiting on me for anything and I'm having a productive week. If I if it's 5 p.m. and I have like that one email in my inbox and they don't care that I didn't respond today, but like all night I'm like, there's there's a thing I didn't do. Whereas if you just do it or at least do enough of it that you're like, I obviously did more than enough today. Then you can turn your brain off and say, OK, I've, I'm not worried about this at all. Totally. And there's another effect, which is when you have that happen on a Monday, but you know, you have a late night scheduled for Wednesday, you can go, Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to get mm-hmm. to that on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have that uh, at your disposal, that's it's, but it's a form of buffer. Like it's a disguised form of buffer. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, I like it a lot. Um, thanks for sharing. I, I, I don't hear people admit to some of this stuff on publicly, uh, the way you do. And I, I, but I think everyone feels it. <laughs> Just yeah, no one says it. So yeah, well, I de- de- definitely I'm not proud of myself, uh, per, like for personal health management. Um, and I think I, I but I, you know, in, in some cases I've done okay, but, um, onward. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess I'll do my personal goals. Uh, my, mine are so base, you know, not having kids, it turns out really uh, makes life easy, huh? Uh, mine are just maintain the exercise thing I just said. So specifically I want to, Average at least 9,000 steps a day. Why nine? Why not 10? Just because I buffer that nine is what I can do. <laughs> yeah, if I, I tried 10 for a while and I was like, I always felt like I was like, oh, I walked the amount I want to walk. Um, You're going to get jacked. No, absolutely. Not. But I, I am in better. I, yeah, so 200 push ups a week. And I try to do them all on one day if I can, because I feel like you get uh, for strength stuff, you get a better results if you just concentrate it is my experience um 
9,000 steps a day and two days a week of rucking. So the steps and the rucking kind of go hand in hand, but that's basically like going for maybe an hour long walk five times a week, two of which I'm carrying weight with me, that type of thing. That's great. Um, so I've been doing that since June. Do you ever do pull-ups? I love, so push-ups and pull-ups are the only two kind of quasi strength things that I like. The problem is I cannot figure out a way to get a pull-up bar mounted anywhere in my house. The doors are kind of, they have weird molding. So those, uh, those ones you hang in your door frame don't fit. Um, I'll figure it out one day, but basically I don't have a pull-up bar to use. But you would use one if you had one. Yeah. We, we have one at the office. So Wednesdays and Thursdays when I'm in the office, I do pull-ups, but I don't know. It's kind of like other people are around. It's kind of a weird place <laughs> yeah, to like do a workout. I'm just imagining like the uh, everybody eating lunch and you go over to the pull-up bar and your like <laughs> shirt goes above your belly button while you're... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's in this like back. So my office, I have like the worst office. Uh kind of leaders eat last type thing. It's in this back dimly lit hallway and that's where the pull-up bar is. But, but one time, so most of the time you do it and no one sees, but one time I like finished doing some pull-ups and someone else is just like looking at me. Like there's one office that has a view and they're just like, nice. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm never doing pull-ups when you're around again. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Um, but no, I think the key the key for this, whether it's rucking or walking or push-ups or pull-ups, I if if I have to like shift mindset and be like, I'm going to go work out, I won't do it. Mm. And the key for all of these with the push-ups and the pull-ups, I just do it, you know, I'm at my desk, I'm thinking about something, I'm feeling kind of energetic. I'm like, I'm, I'll just do 50 push-ups right now, and it's not gonna it's over in like a minute, you know, it doesn't take a long time, and then I'm just back to work. It's I'm not like putting on workout gear and going to do it or whatever. So that's what I've learned about myself this last year is I just need to make it not, I need to make it fit into what I'm doing anyway. That's great. Um, and then the other one is finish the house remodel. Don't really have <laughs> much start else it. to say there. Or start it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll see how that goes. In 2027, I'll be like, it finally happened. Oh, do you think you'll continue the vacation stuff and the, um, play um, play theme or is that just baked in now i think it's baked in it's mostly ba- i i would say where i am now is not where i it's not what i was envisioning a year ago when i set that goal but it's a little bit better it's maybe 10 percent of the way there and it and that 10 percent is baked in um it a thing that changed a lot is leg up health for me because when i set those goals i didn't have anything that needed me to work weekends or nights um, and so I felt like I was kind of losing my drive a little bit with less annoying just cause like life is so comfortable and the work is so calm. I, I never like, there's never a hair on fire, like, oh, I need to work tonight type of thing. Leg up health. That's the only time I have to work on it. And so it's not that it's hair on fire that I've never felt a real like deadline exactly, but it's like, if I want to get anything done, I have to do it nights and weekends. Does that make sense? Yep. Makes sense. So um, all right. Want to move on to professional stuff? Sure. Cool. I don't, again, I don't know where, maybe you talk about your stuff and I'll fit in my leg up health stuff with that, or I don't know. Yeah, that's, I think that's good. So, cool. um, I have, I have, I'll, I'll cover windfall first so we can just wrap it with leg up. Um, so, so my day job is at a company called windfall. I don't speak too detailed about it on the podcast. Um, but one of my goals for, uh, windfall last year was, or this year was um, 
was becoming a domain expert. And I guess the context here is in my last company, it was really my only other job, but I, I was a domain expert. I knew as much as anyone about the competitive landscape, about the um, uh, space, about what our customers needed, about what um, what uh, the users that the customers needed, um, and the regulatory implications, et cetera, et cetera. And when I joined Windfall, it was a whole new space. Um, it's it's a uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's basically a, a data company that um, provides people intelligence to con- uh, consumer brands um, and nonprofits, and it's a uh, it's just rocked. It's rocked my world. It rocked my, when I first joined windfall two or three years ago, it rocked my world in terms of like, Oh, I, I know nothing. <laughs> um, and so this year I, I really wanted to, to, to close the gap there and, and learn more. And I, I'm much more fluent in the space, um, both like the, like what I call like the data space, the MarTech space. Um, and then also speaking the language of retailers, financial service firms, and these other, uh, business to consumer, large business to consumer entities. Um, and so I feel good about it. Um, I, I would call that a successful, like, you know, doing much better. Um, yeah. and, but I don't need to make it a focus anymore. It's just like, now it's like kind of, I've, I've crossed that point where it's like, oh yeah, everything sort of makes sense when I learn it versus like, you know, when you're reading something and you're like, you have to like look up all the words cause you don't know mm-hmm. what any of the words mean. That's where I started. And now it's like, oh yeah, I get the gist here. Yeah. This is cool. That's great. Um, and you're a pretty high level there. Like you don't, you don't need to be like a hands-on expert at this stuff. You just need to be like capable of sitting in a meeting, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I need to, I need to be a, well, I'm my, my, I run revenue operations there, which, which requires building playbooks for the sales team. Um, and, uh, starting to build out some of the marketing stuff. And that requires a significant level of domain expertise to do right. Um, think about like marketing messaging, how that turns into sales scripting, email templates, that kind of thing. So yeah, the, actually I did need to know a lot of this stuff. But I mean, are you actually the one preparing these things? You're not, that's not delegated? Uh, right now it's 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 um, drafted by others, but it needs a lot of, um, let's just call it uh, editing gotcha. um, and, and help. Uh, we're kind of at that phase where it's like, there's a, a subset of people who kind of get it um, and we're figuring out how to scale getting it um, as we add more people. And, and so there's a, there's, there's kind of a, a need for a tighter management effort um, over the next few months. Um, but yes, so I, I okay. do need to know that, that stuff. But then it, once you sort of document it and get it um, sort of injected, um, which you've done a great job at, at Less Wing CRM, like then, then it, the next person who comes in doesn't need to know as much. Yeah, it makes sense. There's a, it, it reminds me of an ongoing debate in the tech industry about like should should product managers and project managers and designers and people in that realm know how to code. And I think the conclusion has to be like no, not like you can't expect every single designer to also be a great software engineer, but like knowing the even if you're not coding, knowing how code works is super valuable if you're doing any kind of PM or design type of role, it's a huge level up, and and it sounds like kind of the same type of thing you're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, huge impact to the company. I get my my because of my increase in domain expertise, my ability to help the 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 organization grow in different ways um, is 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 larger, and therefore my opportunity windfall is larger. So it's it's been yeah. an overall good good investment. Cool. Um, so that's that's windfall. So I'd, I'd call it a check there, and more to, with more. You know, it's never you're never done there. Um, and then the the rest of my goals were focused on supporting the growth of Leg Up Health. Um, 
So, so number one goal was retain JD full time for another year. And assuming he doesn't quit in the next three days, uh, <laughs> I would call this a success. Um, but no, it was he's he, we're we're heading the right direction. Um, the second was double the client base again. So, um, I was going from roughly a hundred people to two hundred. We got to one hundred and sixty people, uh, which was which was I would call it a close call. But 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 we, we kind of diverted our attention away from, so last year we were just focused on serving consumers. Um, and as part of our, uh, shift this year, we expanded to serving businesses and, it, and that kind of flows into the next goal, which was building V1 of leg up benefits. Um, I think when we were talking last year, I was like, I'm going to hire a coder, um, mm-hmm. and they're going to build leg up benefits, uh, version one, and we're going to get to a million, a thousand dollars a month in MRR. You also um, went through a period, I don't know if this is where you were a year ago, but for there was a period where you thought you were going to code it. I don't remember how long ago that was. I was um, it was it was that or hire someone. I remember that. Yeah. I, inter- I interviewed coders and um if, at some point uh you sort of raised your hand and said, "What about me?" Um and I that was like the best that was probably the the most unexpected best biggest win um <laughs> of the year. Um and uh and, but we also, um, the reason we didn't hit our double the client base again goal is we, we got into group health insurance and we actually brought in more revenue from those group health insurance customers than we would have from 40 more individual clients. So this is kind of one of those things where it was like a good miss, um, in some ways, a bad miss in others. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we did build V1 of the leg up benefits, um, but we didn't hit 1000, um, per month in MRR. Um, uh, we did get two to three clients. Uh, but they haven't paid us yet, and and a handful mm-hmm. of free ones. Um, but overall, like uh, Leg Up Health uh, doubled in revenue. I just um, published the um, the updated metrics for December, and we're uh, we've surpassed 100k in um, annual recurring revenue this month, and uh, we're profitable um, in December. So yeah. pretty cool, pretty cool going into the to the yeah, new year. That's awesome. That so. The goals are the things that were achieved are slightly different from what you predicted, but like they all kind of average out to more almost an exact hit, like didn't exceed it really, but almost exactly hit what the goals were in terms of how good the outcome is. Fundamentally, I knew that if we doubled the business, JD would be excited. If we doubled the business and got into like some employer product, uh, we would we would be in a good position to continue this going at this thing. And we Mm -hmm. did that. Um, and yeah. we did that and more. We got you on board. Uh, we got um, uh, we 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 went into the group health insurance business. Uh, you know, as a result, we can now any Utah small business owner we talk to, we can say, "What do you do? Do you offer group health insurance? Yes, no. Yes, we can help you. No. Oh, we do you do you give people money? Oh, we can help you. Oh, you don't mm-hmm. give any people money? Do you buy health insurance? We can help you. So literally, we can help our ideal customer no matter what. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. One of the things I observed just being in the, because most of my involvement with Leg Up Health is sitting in meetings with you and JD and kind of hearing what you say, but um, the shift from when there was just one product or even kind of two of the three, JD's kind of mentality was I need to talk to people and I need to convince them that instead of doing thing C, which we don't do, they should do A or B, which we do. And that that's a, that's persuasion. It's Sometimes you have a conflict of interest where maybe they actually should do things. See the, the weight that seems to be lifted off JD's shoulders as soon as it was like, you don't have to convince them of anything, whatever they want to do, just help them do it. Uh, that seemed like a pretty big shift for the business. Totally. The only thing that we're basically changing is like, Hey, we, whatever you're doing, we're going to confirm that it's the right thing for you to do. And if it's not, we're going to help you find the right thing. And we're, and whatever you decide to do, we're going to do it better than anyone else. 
Yeah. If you don't believe that, that's all we have to convince you of, mm-hmm. <laughs> which isn't that hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, it, it's, it's a weird spot because like from my perspective, we're still miles away from what I think any of us would call a success. And also like everything seems so good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's true. Uh, it'll be an interesting year. Uh, at like about what were your uh, reflections on like health? Yeah. So first of all, so I, I'm, I've been trying to remember the actual origin story of how it came to be. I mean, from your perspective, I just raised my hand. I know talking like my dad and I go on long walks and talk about business stuff. And that's, that's where it concreted in my head. I don't know if it was his idea or I don't know. Anyway, that was a huge unlock for me because I love less annoying CRM. I, as I've said many times before, and I, I truly mean it, I want it to be the last job I ever have. Like I'm, I'm in this for another 40 years if I can, but the business doesn't need an entrepreneur anymore. Like it's, it's, it's not big, but it's mature. Um, things aren't changing that quickly. I need to be some combination of an operator in terms of like being a CEO manager type mixed with maybe an individual contributor, but as an individual contributor at Less Wing CRM, I have to fit in with what the rest of the team's doing. And for good reason, they move a lot slower than I want to because like they don't want to ship bugs and stuff like that. So I kind of had this un unmet, like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do stuff quick and dirty. I want to cut corners. I want to move fast. I want to experiment and learn. And I wasn't getting that at Less Annoying Serum. And like, Leg Up Health is just 100% scratched that itch, which is both good for Leg Up Health, but it's also great for my role at Less Annoying Serum because I'm just, I'm not wondering like, what if, like, is this actually what I should be spending my time doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting everything I want between these two things. That's awesome. Yeah, I do think it was your dad that triggered this because I think so, uh, we talked about it after that conversation with your dad, and um, I mean that was it went pretty quickly from there. Yeah, I this is this is an example of what I love about the entrepreneur entrepreneurship side of things. I was just like, "Hey, Rick, what if I did this?" And you're like, "Yeah, let's do it." And they're like, "Okay, it's done." Um, <laughs> which like you just can't make that big of a decision that quickly at at a at less annoying serum, but. Um, so yeah, I've, uh, you know, I it's interesting though. Leg Up Health isn't a tech company really, and I I came in to build the employer product, and it's just my my DNA and, and the muscle memory I have from Less Annoying CRM is like, okay, it's built. How are we going to improve it? How are we going to keep making it better and so on? And uh, I think there's a lot of work for me to do still, but almost none of it is on improving the the product that the end user experiences. Um, it's kind. It's kind of good. It's it's mostly good. Sorry, as a side project for me, it is great that Leg Up Health is not a tech company. It also though has reinvigorated me for less knowing serum that it's like I wouldn't want this to be my full time job. You know. Yeah, I get it. That makes sense. Um, the other thing that was interesting that, about Leg Up and 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 bringing you on was we had an initial hypothesis that you would build this product um, that was fairly like specific around reimbursing people for their health insurance. And you flew out in July and, uh, over the course of a few days of us just brainstorming and talking about it, we pivoted the, the thing, uh, pretty quickly to, um, to a different, like you rebuilding the no code app for the consumer as phase one, and then tacking on a very basic version of like benefits as part two. 
And I thought that was a, that actually unlocked um, a huge thing for me, which was I got out of the middle of this no code crap app that I had built uh, that was actually preventing JD from taking more ownership over serving customers. And by, by kind of having you build that, rebuild that uh, a better version of that with the ability to, you know, continuously improve it. JD's been able to take full ownership over the customer experience. Um, and I, now I'm more just supporting him doing that. And I think that was a big, big milestone this year. Yeah. I'm curious to, um, two years ago, you and I were talking about no code all the time on this podcast. Um, given that experience, what are your thoughts on no code? Like you don't hear about it nearly as much anymore, but are you, do you think this is the model build it in no code and then have it replaced? Does, have you lost any faith in no code? Um, no, I thought it was a great training ground for me to like play around with stuff, figure out what was possible, prove con- the concept. Um, maybe it also helped me um, get to a certain revenue stage where, like, I, I, I don't. I think like if I came to you and said, "Hey, here's an idea," like it'd be a lot less interesting than, "Hey, here's a, a product with fifty thousand dollars in revenue per year. I'd like to figure out how to get it to a hundred, and if we're if we can get it to a hundred, we could probably get it to a million. Would you like to be a mm. part of that? That's a very different conversation. Um, talking to a developer. Um, so I think. Uh, I think like it, I think it allowed me to prove a concept, um, yeah, uh, and for, for without hiring and developing the coding skills. In hindsight, I wish I just taught myself how to code. Like I feel like this—that's why I don't I'm know. Like, push back on that. Yeah. I think though. Okay. Which is knowing how to code and knowing all the things you need to know to build production software are kind of two different things. Um, for example, you majored in computer science. You took you you know how to I code. know how to code. <laughs> yeah, I know how to code. But like there. I think it's very hard to just casually know what you need to know. You you have to really devote time to it that you don't have, mm-hmm. I think. You're obviously capable of it. I just don't think you have I time. I did have it, though. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like mm-hmm. I, I chose to put that time into stringing no code together and playing with that stuff instead of really going all in on building uh, a, a coded app, um, which it, it, I would have gotten probably to the same result, which is something that wasn't that good um, that you know needed you know, some TLC needed to be rebuilt. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, it'd be interesting. We'll never know the, the contrapositive, but that'd be interesting. I, I do want to, I don't want to go too deep in this. Um, but, um, I, you, you mentioned kind of the no code app helped you attract me. I, this does tie to a lot of non-technical founders have this conversation of like, so what the, what the naive founder is saying is I'm a non-technical founder. I want to, uh, have someone build my app and either I want to pay them below market rate or offer them like a pathetic amount of equity. They're not a founder. They're not a co-founder. I'm in charge. They're going to work for me, but I don't have any money to pay them. What do I do? And like, if you don't want to, if you can't pay someone their market rate, you have to make up for it in some kind of sharing of the upside. But the thing is like, if you're not bringing anything to the table, the developer's not going to be like, oh sure, I'll take 5% of the equity when I'm, you have literally nothing yet and you want me to build the whole thing from scratch. And like one way to do this is go raise money from investors. And you can say what I'm bringing is money or go get some pre-sales or whatever. But yeah, the no code thing is another interesting path towards this of saying like, like, look, I validated the idea. You you know, I'm not a piece of shit because I <laughs> like, I'm not a huckster here. I actually put the work in and built a thing that, that, that matters. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're probably right. I wouldn't have joined like a health had you not built the no code app, the, the yeah, no code. Yeah. So, um, 
the thing I always think about when I, when I think about this concept is we had an episode early on where I was asking you, like, how do I, if I want to build an app, like, how do I find a developer? And you were like, give away 50% of your company and you'll get someone that's great. (laughs) And I was like, uh, and the other thing you said was like, go build a business and then, and then, you know, it, it changes things if it's a real business, but if you have an idea, that's what it costs to find someone good. Yeah. It's, um, it's a great example. You did it the hard way mm-hmm. and I, it's too early to say it worked exactly, but you, you got a working full code app without giving up anywhere near 50% of the equity. It just took three years longer than it would have otherwise. Exactly. And yes, 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 yes. And, and, and we left some opportunity on the table from a growth standpoint, like probably a significant amount. But mm-hmm. the cool thing is like, um, that I should, I shared the profit, right? The, um, I said, th- I said we were at hundred K annual recurring revenue. It's about 8,000, uh, plus, uh, monthly recurring revenue. Like, well, like worst case scenario here is like you and JD go, I'm done. I quit. And I just, you know, pay myself back what I put into the business. Like that's my worst case scenario now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a. I mean, the name of the start, the podcast is Startup to Last, yeah. and um, <laughs> it's it's a long term way to go about it, but it seems yeah. to be working. But best case scenario is we can make this into a million dollars a year and um, have a great business. Yeah. Um, cool. So we've talked about updates from last year. Do you want to go into your goals? Sure. Um, yeah. So goals for this year. Um. I want to double the business again. Uh, last year I funded 80, this year I funded $85,000. Um, I next year don't want to fund anything. So basically I want to double, I want to basically take what we've got and double it again without putting more money into the company, which means it has to be done profitably. Um, so that's a pretty big constraint. So I've got a couple of things I want to like, basically I want to apply the prop profit, what's called the profit first framework. There's a book called Profit First. Highly recommend reading it, skimming it, whatever. Um, but it's all about like paying yourself first. Um, and so there's three things I want to start doing. One is I want to trim expenses. I've already gone through a, precurs- a cursory review with, with JD and identified um, some money that just we don't need to be spending. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is I want to start paying a, a, a small partner distribution um, as the first expense um, and it, like as a percentage. So maybe it's 1% of What's 1% of $8,000? $80? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so $80 uh, will be the, the, the first. You're going to mess up my taxes over $80? <laughs> we can hold it. Uh, we can hold it for you. Um, but <laughs> No, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> You'll take it. Uh, it's a drink. It's a beer, a beer a month. Um, so, uh, but, but pay that. And then, you know, hopefully like that, that gets us all our beak sweat. And we're like, hey, how do we make this, this, this a bigger, you know, pie? And then um, the, the, the third priority is getting JD to his target compensation. And wrapped into this is uh, the idea that um, the business only goes as far as JD goes. And so retain, retaining JD for another year, if not, you know, setting up, retaining him for another decade, uh, you know, or two, um, that's kind of the point. And so getting him to his target compensation, which we've discussed, um, is the priority uh, once we kind of implement this partner first framework. And then once we get him to his target comp, we can then start discussing, okay, what do we want to do next? Um, mm-hmm. And whether that's, you know, getting, getting, um, 
you know, putting hires in place, getting me more involved in the business somehow, et cetera. Uh, it just, that's a, but that's a distant conversation. And, uh, but anyway, that's, that's the, that's the priority for leg up health. And then I have a windfall goal. Cool. Um, quick reaction to that. Yeah. I like it. I'm excited about it. I don't think I personally am as excited about the idea of like paying out partner distributions as you are, um, which isn't to say you're wrong or whatever. I'm only sharing this because as, as the boss, it's good to know how you can emotionally manipulate your team. And I'm telling you this particular one is not going to manipulate me, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I like what I like about it is a thing that happened at less annoying CRM that if I could go back, I would change is the moment we made enough money to hire someone, we did. And so we were kind of always at this break-even point. And it never, no one ever like walks up to you and says, hello, it's time to start making profit. Um, like, because arguably maybe that first hire or two or three were correct. But at some point, we we were too fragile of an organization. And I think Leg Up Health could have gone down a path of, well, you know, Let's take, you know, we're more, pro- we're, we're not losing as much money as we were, but instead of Rick investing 80, whatever thousand this year, he'll invest 50,000, but we can hire someone that way. And then next year we'll only lose 30,000. But then when we're at 30,000, but we're growing fast, well, let's actually hire another person and go back to a hundred thousand. And you can just kind of like stay in this weird purgatory forever where it's like kind of sustainable, but it's not what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about this is it forces not bringing on additional expenses because if it if you do, you've blown up the whole profit thing. Um, so I, I am very excited about that aspect of it. Yeah, the, that's the that's the more important piece, right? It's the uh, the the when I reviewed this with JD, uh, this framework with JD um, earlier this week or maybe it was last week, um, we we went through some expenses. He's like, this changes how I look at every expense. Yeah, um, and so it, it, that's the point, right? Like, um, <clears throat> and and so. Uh, Anyway, I'm excited about this. This doesn't get into any sort of detail about how we're going to do this. I'm happy to talk about that if that's of interest. Um, I figure that's what our podcast, regular podcast is for. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is sort of like the, the big goal is like, how do we get to $200,000 in annual recurring revenue um, by uh, December, January timeframe next year? And I think yeah. it's very doable. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. How about the windfall goal? Yeah. So um, I'm at the point at windfall where there's every day, there is every week, every month, every year. There's going to be more work assigned to me or that I'm responsible for than mm-hmm. can get done, and so I've got to get better at 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 saying this is this thing is the most important thing, um, and all the other things don't matter until this thing gets done. And working on those that thing versus like trying to do all the little things. And so um, I need to this the, one of our core values at Windfall is leverage over optimization. It's like one of the best things I've learned at Windfall from a framework perspective. But I've got to start actually like living that every day, um, and I think it will make my my life better, and I think my my impact will increase. Yeah, yeah. I they should want you to do this, but like you've got so much other stuff in your life as well that you kind of have to. Even even if you were like I don't care about Windfall at all, you still kind of have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. Cool. So more of a theme than a goal. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be one of those that how do you judge if it happened, but it'll be, it'll be vibes and that's okay. I'm good with that type of goal. (laughs) All right. Gotta be right. Gotta be. Um, what about you? Yeah. So professional updates from last year. So the goals I set, uh, in our episode a year ago, one was to get back to decent growth, which I defined as adding, uh, 36k ARR per month, which is 3k MRR uh, per month. 
did not do well depends on how you want to look at this so like to jump ahead the biggest thing that happened for the business even though it took very little time uh from me or anyone on the team is we decided to increase prices for our legacy users so that they're going to be paying our normal price of $15 per month instead of our old price of 10. Um, that immediately, well, we're going to see how many people churn, but I'm guessing we add 700,000 ARR from that or something. So it won't go into effect until July. That's when we'll know. But uh, in in a sense, yeah, we're getting the the growth we wanted and more. Obviously, it's not the same thing because like, you're you can only squeeze so much water from a stone, right? Uh, but in terms of like, if the business needs money to operate, in that sense, revenue goal will be checked easily, far and away beyond my expectations, starting in July uh, of 2024. In terms of actual like trajectory and the future health of the business, I would say this was a fail. I've talked about that a bunch on the podcast. I'm still pretty optimistic about things, but. Um, that is that is the the ongoing concern to to deal with uh, right now. Do you want to talk about that more right now, or do you want to talk about that as part of your forward looking um, goals? Yeah, we can talk about it as part of the forward. Well, I'll talk about it right now, only to say one of the things I'm so excited about with this price change, and and I love it. You know, companies always say we're increasing prices, which is actually good for you, the customer, and you're like. Fuck off, Amazon. And now that, you're doing it. <laughs> well, no, but here's here is the difference is I can point to a very concrete change that we're making that we wouldn't be making if not for the price increase that is absolutely good for our current customers. And that is, I'm not, uh, I am not going to justify what we work on for the next year with a growth lens. We're just going to, we're just going to make, I, I believe in my heart of hearts that the way to grow this business is to have the best product possible. It is going to take years to prove that. And it may be it may be wrong, but I'm at least committing this next year to like we're just going to do that. And we wouldn't be like over the last Your price increase your price increase bought you that luxury. Yeah, exactly. The the buffer we talk about buffer all the time and now I I have enough buffer to be like yeah, like worst case scenario we spend a year making the product way better and then a year from now we have to get back into growth mode, but um the customers will observe, they will notice a more meaningful improvement to the product because of this. I'm glad you said that stuff because what, what, what I'm seeing this now is like you didn't necessarily accomplish this goal, but you set, you gave yourself time to, to, to actually accomplish it. Yeah. And yes, I 100%. And I think the way I was trying to accomplish it before was pretty short term, like focused because it needed to be. And if you if if you can think long term, a whole different set of options present themselves. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Good good job. Well, I appreciate that. Let's see if it works, but I'll, I'll have a good year either way. <laughs> yeah, either way, you, you're gonna you you're gonna do the, you're in a much you're in a position to do the best, much better than you could have done under the constraints that you were yeah. working under. So yeah, especially because we were doing all this product led growth stuff over this last year, and th the reality is, I think we executed on it well, and none of it worked. Which kind of means like the whole like focus on growth. I, I know what you would say is like, well, it's not all about product. Like, go actually do real marketing. And fair enough, we were doing that too. But um, it's pretty clear that little growth hacks are is not the way out of this. Um, so we got to try something else anyway. But um, my next goal was to have a sense of urgency on the dev team. So prior to this, this started kind of at the end of last year. So it's not technically a change we made this year, but 
in the past, we always had this idea of what we call a jog, which is a play off the, the sprint concept. Like every two weeks, let's like reevaluate the project we're working on. Like let, let's basically plan work in two weeks increments and then replan it again two weeks later. The problem is before there was no real oversight over this. So we'd give someone a project that we thought would take two weeks. Then we said, meet, schedule a meeting with us, with me specifically, when you're done. And since we think this is a two-week project, we should meet every two weeks. And then like six months would go by and there was no meeting. Um, and this is partially maybe the individual dev's fault, but I mean, not really like this is my fault and just the system's fault. So this year is the first full year where we've actually had real project management in place. Robert, who's the, the team lead, and I, who I'm kind of the product manager here, meet with every developer every two weeks. We refocus people. And I can't tell you how many times over the last year, someone's been going off just in totally the wrong direction. Uh, they got distracted by something. They let scope creep come in without really thinking about it. Having these, it's, it's not just these check-ins. It's also, we have a whole system around it, but the sense of urgency is back. Like people are thinking, I need to get shit done in the next two weeks because I'm going to have another one of these meetings in two weeks and I don't want to have nothing to show for it. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel really good about that one. And does that mean like, are you seeing that the the end result of that in terms of like feature releases and productivity? Yes. So I'm kind of going out of order here, but like one of the big, I'm actually uh, preparing a like kind of end of year presentation for the whole company that's going to say what I'm about to say to you. But um, I think if you want to tell the story of Less Annoying CRM, the first several years, it was just me and Bracken. We shipped fast, hit product market fit. Things were great. Then we shifted into, I'm not the one coding, other people are. And through a combination of my own incompetence slash not hiring the right people at first, I think we eventually did. But like we went through a period of terrible execution, like four to six years, depending on how you want to count it. And then there was like this kind of getting back to where we are. I'd say the last year or two, good execution, but not on the things that customers notice. Like I told, I, I've already said this on the podcast, but we built Zapier, 30 people use it. Woohoo. We built a new API. Nobody, none of our customers are coders. They don't know how to use an API. Uh, we, we built this search index search, elastic search thing that only really helps an account that has like 500,000 plus contacts, which almost none of our customers do. We built a lot of shit effectively, but I don't think it was the right shit. And so the theme that I want going forward is, well, customer perception is how I'm thinking about this. It's not enough to build stuff. It's not enough to make the product better. If the customer doesn't perceive that the product got better, it, that, you know, it didn't, it didn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So I'll, I can talk more about that in a second, but that's kind yeah. of where this is all leading. Cool. Um, uh, another goal I had was end the year with three major product wins. I define those as uh, a good enough professional looking design. We did a, a major redesign. Um, Checking that one off. We have not forced all our old customers over to it yet, but all new customers have been on it for the last, I think, six months or something like that, which is all that matters. I'm, I'm in no rush to move the old customers over. Um, finish. We had a, a set of growth projects, kind of product-led growth type things. These were all hypotheses of if we build the Zapier integration, we can get listed on their marketplace. Will that be a channel for us? If we build an API platform, will we get more integration partners and get customers from them? Um, those both we executed, I think, well on, they didn't work as growth, uh, channels. Um, and then the redesign was, was the other one. 
So I had four on there. I also wanted to do a viral loop thing. That's going to happen in 2024 instead of 2023. But uh, three out of four, I'm okay with that. That's good, man. Um, and what, 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 I guess, did, did, will this continue the CRM, lo- the CRM competition? The CRM competition? Like closing the gap, will you, will you continue oh. to focus on that? Yeah, so that's the next one. Yeah, so I, I think so. So um, you're re- reading the notes here, but let me explain for the listener. Like, in addition to these growth projects, there's kind of this idea that when someone goes looking for a CRM, they just have an expectation of what features a CRM is going to have. And if we don't have those basic features, they're not even going to consider. You know, there's there's 300 CRMs on G2. They're not going to consider one that doesn't have like the ability to send an email, which we don't. Um, we did not make much progress on that in 2023. That is still very much a top priority in 2024. Cool. Yeah. That seems like a a big customer perception one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, again, I'm preparing this talk for, uh, employees, which is why I have all this ready to go. But the analogy I'm going to make is like, would you, um, if you're buying a car or not buying, let's say you can get it for free. Would you rather have half of a Lamborghini or a full Dodge Dart? And you'd rather have the full Dodge Dart. Half of a Lamborghini is not very useful. Um, so like meeting customer expectations, just having a working car is the first part. And then beyond that, well, how do you make it better? And it depends. Like if your Lamborghini, like more horsepower, I don't know anything about cars. I might say something stupid here, but more horsepower, or if it's a Bentley, like really nice wood and leather interior or whatever. And then the question is, well, what what kind of car are we? And the answer is we are a minivan. And minivans sell because they have a lot of cup holders, um, which by which I mean it's not going to be sexy. It's not about having powerful features and all that. It's about being comfortable and practical. That's always been where we've fit in the market. So next year, it's going to be a combination of trying to get the whole car built mixed with more cup holders to kind of delight the people who are already happy enough with the product. That's awesome. I like that analogy a lot. That's all uh, credit to my brother. Thanks, Bracken. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm kind of mixing updates from last year and, and goals with next year. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the, the only other goal I had was if there's a recession, get through it without any layoffs. There wasn't a recession. So I guess mission the, accomplished. Did, was there not a recession? Or I don't know how you want to define it. There wasn't some kind of major economic downturn that there was nothing to get through for us. I think. I mean, I don't think our growth problems are related to any macroeconomic trends. Um, we, will see. we will see. Yes. Yeah. If you just wait long enough, eventually. <laughs> uh, and then other updates I had here. So yeah, I talked about the price increase. The dev team, I've talked about this a bunch, so I won't go into too much detail, but we've kind of had three-ish new devs. Two of our DevOps people are switching over to like actually working on the product for real. And one more person um, from the CRM coaching team joined. So they're all very raw. They haven't really like meaningfully moved the needle in 2023. But by the end of 2024, we will have gone from five reasonably experienced devs to eight total, three of whom are still early in the journey, but they should be contributing pretty meaningfully by later that, the, that year. That's that's crazy. Yeah. I I think there's a good chance 10 years from now, looking back on it, if you, if when, you know, do people always ask you like, what's the biggest mistake you've made? I feel like that's kind of a cliche question. No, I haven't gotten that one before. Okay. 
go do some podcast interviews. They'll ask you that. <laughs> okay. But I, I don't I have a lot of mistakes, but I don't know that like one really stands out. But I think 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and I'm, I'm going to say we had two full time DevOps engineers who just weren't working on the product. They were working on infrastructure and shit like that. We they should have been working on the product. I don't I, don't, I really don't know how to explain. I, I do know how to explain my thinking, and it's that our, so, our server used to crash all the time. But, but we at went some like point the last, that got fixed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was just, I was too slow to react to that one. Um, I think dramatically improved and simplified money management, switching away from Bank of America to Mercury. Uh, can't say enough good things about Mercury. Holy cow. I've already switched. We we covered this in a couple of podcasts. I'm mm-hmm. in the middle of switching. They make, Chase is making it so painful to to switch. What are they doing? Just like not letting me transfer money. Like, oh. they, like it's just, any, it's, it's, uh, anyway. I didn't even I'm talk excited. to Bank of America. I just went into Mercury. I added the ACH info for my other account. And I was, I just drained Bank of America. And then oh, we called them awesome. up and we're like, hey, close the account. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, now Mercury's th- amazing. Yeah. Mercury's great. Uh, th- thinking about, I switched from thinking about revenue growth to user growth, which again, talked about in detail in the podcast, but the big unlock there is revenue growth when you have multiple price points, especially when you're increasing price on old customers, it can lie to you. User growth is the long-term robust metric of if you're not growing the number of customers you have, maybe you can get expansion revenue for a while. Maybe you can increase ACV or whatever, but that's that's going to hit a limit at some point. You have to be increasing the number of customers. Yep. So that simplified things a lot for me. Um, and we are almost fully switched over to Paddle for billing, which... Do you regret that decision? No, but so if you have a crystal ball and I could be like, no one would ever come and get on my case about sales tax, then yes, I a hundred percent regret it. Like I don't, it's, there are so many frustrating things about having a merchant of record where it's like, we want to do something. And because technically paddle is the supplier of the service and they're licensing it from us. They have like, we just can't do a lot of the stuff we could have done before. Like you can't be like, I just want to bill this person on a different frequency. You just can't anyway, but I don't want some state government to come to me five years from now and be like, Hey, you owe us $700,000 in tax sales tax. I just, I can't risk that. Um, and I don't know any other way to comply with this other than to go with paddle. So I think from a risk mitigation standpoint, who knows what the risk was? But given that the company is stable and mature, I'd prefer to be conservative. And so I still think it was the right decision, even though it was a very painful one. That's good. Now, if you said, would I advise someone else start with Paddle? I'd, I, wh- wh- I mean, what do you think the odds are that any of the sales tax stuff ever gets enforced? Hi. Yeah. So if that's the case, then 100%. I Ever. taxes uh, stripes tax uh, solution is just not a solution unless you're really really big big enough to like have an accounting department that's filing quarterly taxes it, in every don't they state. integrate with a third party that does a pretty good job so they bought tax jar I think it is um, but th- th- you can't they can't really do this for you so they are good at collecting the right amount of sales tax, but to remit it, which is to pay it to the government, you, you, the company have to do that because the money came to you. It didn't go to Stripe. Stripe can't pay your taxes for you. 
But with Paddle, the money goes to Paddle, Paddle pays the taxes, and then they give you what's left. So that's that's fundamentally why Paddle handles sales tax and Stripe doesn't. I got it. Interesting. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the... We, we had one at People Keep that we used that integrated with Stripe, uh, but I can't remember what it was. Gotcha. Um, yeah, maybe there's... Anyway, um, enough about Paddle, but very painful. Took so long. There's a lot... In almost every way, our billing system got worse. Um, for our custom, from a customer experience standpoint, tons of bugs, lots of bad stuff about it. But at the end of the day, I, I don't really see any other option. Um, I coded a whole lot. Again, I've been talking about that, but um, I am going to say one of my goals for next year is not just to continue coding because that's like too wishy washy. This is still going to be a vague goal, but specifically to not let other stuff get like take over my free time such that I can't code. Like I want to be very, I want to say no to a lot of stuff and I want to be very protective of my time. Really not that dissimilar from your personal goal, I think. Um, and then my final note here uh, on, on updates. I feel like this podcast had two main themes for the year that I wanted to call out. One, which I think mostly applies to what you're doing, and that is you can't optimize nothing. Um, just the idea of, there's a lot of sitting around and talking and thinking and planning. And then if you go back to the beginning and just do something, even if it's the wrong thing, that's probably better. Mm -hmm. And then I think the one that applies to me is like going back to the basics or as it's been phrased, like what would a third grader do? I had overcomplicated so many things about less annoying CRM in terms of my, the financial modeling, the banking product strategy. Again, I'm just going back to like, I don't know. We're, we we make a CRM. What would make the CRM better? Um, and if you'd asked me a year ago pro how I think about product strategy, it would have been like a 30-minute answer. Um, so I, I think just simplifying things and uh, taking advantage of the fact that we're a small business has been one of the big themes for me this year. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a big unlock. The You can't optimize nothing. I remember when I got there, I was like, okay, this is they just took so many options off the table of, of, of what to, what, what we could do. So yeah, super helpful. I love the fact that this, this deep into the game, you and I are both still kind of making rookie mistakes and learning from it. Uh, <laughs> it really, it really keeps things interesting. Oh, well, tell me uh, about your next year, like this year's or 2024 professional themes and goals. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, some of this I already referenced, but I'll kind of breeze through it all. Um, so the back to the basics theme is is the big one. Again, I'm not we're going to continue doing growth work. We have a marketer, we have a salesperson like it's not like we're not going to do growth stuff, but I'm not going to shift the strategy based on growth numbers. Unless they, I mean maybe if if growth if if we started losing a ton of revenue or something maybe, but um as long as things remain steady, I'm just not thinking about I'm not looking at we did this and our growth didn't go up. We got to change the plan. The plan is just try and make the product better. Keep doing what we're doing. And again, I, I talked about kind of focusing on customer perception, or you could call it customer delight. Um, I'm thinking of it something along the lines of, at the end of the year, if you found a typical customer, at the end of 2024, if you found a typical customer of Less Annoying Serum and said, the, asked them the question, has Less Annoying Serum gotten better this year? I think if you ask that right now to our customers, they'd be like, yeah, I mean, I got some email updates about some things that have changed. I haven't really looked into them. I'm per like, I'm happy with the product. Um, I, it seems like they're working on stuff. That's what they would say right now. At the end of 2024, what I want them to say is like, oh my God, like it seems like they ship something every single week. 
like th- it's like a different product now. That's what I want them to say in a good way. Obviously, That'd be I don't cool. want to ch- change yeah. stuff just to change it. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, yeah, so that's, I, that's inspiring. Yeah, well, I, I imagine it would be for your team. Yeah, I hope so. Th- so that's the main thing I'm in this video that I'm preparing for them that I'm th- this presentation I'm sending out. Um, that's the main inspiring is what I'm going for. So I hope it works. Um, I've got like specifics on what I want to ship. Um, I guess very quick. I'm just going to say them out loud so that I can next year compare if we actually did them, but we're going to have three main pillars to the products to, to the product work on. One is the, the biggest missing part of the car, so to speak, is that you cannot send email from the CRM. Also, you can't even like log emails that you receive automatically. So email in general is a thing that people just consider table stakes for CRMs. We really got caught flat footed on this. By the end of the year, I want to be able to automatically log and send emails from the CRM. Um, Not like bulk email marketing stuff, but, uh, you know, be able to send like individual emails, if that makes sense. Um, The other one... Yeah, that's table stakes. There's other things too that might come after that. Like in 2025, it might be a Kanban view for the pipeline report or a mobile app. I think those are the three big ones that I'm just like, every CRM has these three things and we don't. But we're going to start with just email. The second pillar is forms. You and I have talked about this a bunch. I know I I wish it had already happened, but this is that viral loop thing that I hoped would happen in 2023, but didn't. Um, But pretty confident it'll happen in 2024. It's both a feature our customers really want, but it also has this potential to like create the viral loop, which we've talked about a lot. And then the third one is the the building cup holders, which is to say, there's no strategy at all. There's no big picture. It's just, what is the highest uh, impact to effort ratio project on the list? Um, it doesn't, I mean, we, we're still going to apply our own personal taste to it. We're not going to build something we don't believe in, but like, we have a list of like a hundred things that each one would take, you know, two weeks to a month to build and like customers are just dying for it. And we're like, this isn't really going to like meaningfully change what the product can do. doesn't matter. The goal is to ship two of those per quarter at least. I said two to two weeks to a month. Everything always takes longer than you think, but shipping two of those kind of nice cup holder type improvements alongside the email and the forms things next year a question on some of these like small these these are not they're they're not small like they're meaningful media like i think you haven't written down here as medium but like um when you build these things are you building like a library of functionality that you can repurpose for other things or is this sort of one-to-one in terms of a feature uh, it it depends on the feature. So, for example, one of the ones I'm excited about is WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get, like note editing. Right now, if you're leaving a note on a contact, it's just plain text. Being able to bold, italicize, color, bullet list, stuff like that. That's one of them. If we build that, we're also going to say, well, all of our rich text fields, all, all of our text fields, like event descriptions and task descriptions will have that. And when we send emails, we're, of course, going to need a WYSIWYG editor for the yeah, formatting cool. email. That's a good example. Cool. So some of them will have that. Some of them, though, are just like, Nope, this is just some random little thing that people would be happy about. Um, but one of my one of the things I'm really uh, the lenses I'm looking through here. I realize we're running out of time, so um, I'll try to go quick here. But features that people don't have to go into the settings and enable in order to use. Um, that's one of the like if I look back over the last six years, one of the reasons the features haven't had big, big impact is like no one knows about them. So something like a WYSIWYG note, it's like well if you're entering a note, you'll notice that you can format it. 
uh, compared to a lot of our things, which is like, oh, a new feature for a custom field. And it's like, well, you have to go edit. You have to go create a new custom field before you'll even know that that's there. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm trying to keep in mind. Cool. That's that's awesome. Um, and then I'll go real quick through this. Basically, just stability. I think the team's in a really great place. I think it's 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 kind of like how customer service has always been. Customer service at Lessening Serum has always been great. So there's not like a goal to set aside from just like keep doing it. Um, I think we're in a really good place. Company, team, culture, all that. Just keep it going and try not to take on a bunch of new responsibilities so that I personally have individual contributor time to code. Um, and then, oh yeah, and then I wrote basically a duplicate of that same thing. I want to be able to code. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's my goals. Well. Um, you got a lot, of, I, I feel like you have a lot of um, leadership management work that you're setting yourself up for with the back to the basics theme. Um, and particularly the one uh, focusing on customer delight and not getting distracted by like short-term growth. Because uh, it's easy to like go, oh, I just wish we could make a, add 10 more users per day, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So th that, that's, I feel like that's going to require you to like beat a drum and, 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 and say it over and over again, be a broken record every day, every week, every month of the year. There's not I much totally else agree. you can do. I need to, yeah, I need to remember. I, I know this about everything, everything you have to keep repeating, but I agree this is one in particular. And uh, so I, the, the video I'm recording right now, I'm going to send out, that will be, I've already cats on the roof to this pretty hard. I've already like for months been telling people this is coming. This will be the official announcement. This These are our marching orders for 2024. And I I can't forget. I can't just be like, well, everyone knows that. Let's let's go. So yeah. keep keep reminding me about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to, that, that's going to be key. I think, well, anyway, I, I'm excited about the, like, honestly, like focusing on customer delight is most, most businesses do not have the luxury of just purely focusing on that. You've spent this year setting up a year of like, Hey, don't worry about anything else. Unless something happens outside of our control, like we're going to basically just put our customers first for an entire year and see what happens. It's pretty yeah. cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. I, I, I just hope people it works. realize I want how, this... oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I I really want it to work, not just because I want to get growth figured out, like obviously I do, but I want it to work because if it works, that means I can spend the next 30 years focusing on customer delight. I don't want this to be, well, we did it for a year and now we got to go figure something else out. Well, you know, that's it's going to be, you know, this thing, but yeah. you know that this is what works. Like this leads to some growth. It'll, it'll cause you to like have to go deal with other things, but then you'll come back to this and, and yeah. it's, it's a... Uh, it, it, it'll go up and down. Um, but I, one of the, what I was going to say was that I, I hope that your employees appreciate how unique it is to be able to do this um, in a small environment, a small business environment. It's so rare that a 20 person company can um, have this sort of customer focus without external, without uh, downward pressure from uh, superiors and without external pressures of survival. Um, anyway, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That Thanks for saying that. I, I'm going to have to put some thought in. I think people kind of like probably subconsciously appreciate that. But sometimes you have to say, sometimes you have to brag, right? It's the same way as selling a product to customers. Like if you're not willing to say good things about your product, you're not going to sell it. Um, you got to sell the job to the employees. And that, that's something I'm not sure I've said explicitly. So I'm going to put some thought into that. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Um, I know you uh, would like to get going in about five minutes. You want to talk about biggest worry 
Uh, I already, told, I already talked about mine. Oh, yeah, um, it's that I won't uh, control my, you know, personal health uh, uh, situation and I'm going to do better about that. It's like the minute I wrote this down, I was like, that actually is my worry. Yeah. And it's a silly worry because I can literally wake up early tomorrow and go fix this. So maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll wait till tomorrow, the next day. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, cool. I think for mine, I mean, you probably get the impression I'm mostly not super worried about stuff, but so the the whole theory of customer delight leads to growth. What that basically looks like, that if that's true, what that means is the quality of the product consumers customers are somewhat rational. They evaluate products and they pick the best one. And we used to be the best one for more people, and now our competition has kind of surpassed us and we're still the best one for some people, we're still growing somewhat, but not as many. And so the theory is like, we need to close the gap between us and the competition and hopefully even then create a gap in the other direction where we're better. Uh, But can we? Like, when I say the competition, I mean HubSpot, I mean Pipedrive, I mean companies with thousands of employees, billions of dollars at their disposal. Can our team of eight developers actually outship them? And I think the answer is yes, because we're not going after the whole market. We're going after a specific type of person. But my biggest worry is that it's like we could do everything right and we're still not ever able to reach feature parity. We're not able to build the dodge dart, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've talked about it already, but like, do you feel like you have done everything you can to address this worry? Yes. And so a year ago, my biggest worry was something like, I don't know how to grow. I don't know how to do marketing. And that's a terrible one because <laughs> I know I'm bad at it. This is this is my wheelhouse. Like if I'm going to fail, if the reason we fail is because we don't do product right. I guess I just it wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. I think I can live with that. Like it would suck, obviously, but that's that's a challenge that gets me excited. I'm like, all right, it's going to be hard. Let's go do it. Whereas when I hear the marketing challenge, I'm just like, <laughs> maybe I should go work at Google, you know? <laughs> um, so I'm very excited about it, but that that's the big thing that could, a year from now, if I'm like, damn, 2024 sucked, it's going to be because of that, I think. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's that's the right way to think about a worry. Why would my year suck? <laughs> it's because this didn't happen. Yeah, my yeah, own, and I think yours does that too. Yeah, it's exactly right. Like, I if I if I am sitting here in this chair a year from now and I'm saying I didn't work out at all, I, I haven't worked out for six months. Like, blah 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 blah. Like, my my year is a failure. Yeah. Um. Cool. Um. What? And I didn't have it. Like, we, the next one is, what do you want to learn? I honestly like. I, I don't. I I am not very thirsty for for knowledge right now. I just want to get back to the like my basic routines. And I'm sure that as soon as I start reading again and writing, I'll get inspired by something. But yeah, I couldn't think of anything that I'm like dying to learn. I think that's great. I think that's where I was last year too. Um, sometimes you just got to go implement the things you already like, like use the skills you already have. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, for me, it's, I know how to code. I think I'm a decent software engineer, but I kind of do things my way and I'm, I do it the way it was done in 2010. I can operate. I've actually been pretty productive. I've gotten some good stuff done, but I'm kind of like avoiding certain areas of the code because I'm like, oh, that's TypeScript. I don't know that very well. Or I would have to write a unit test for this and I don't really know how to write a unit test. My hope is by the end of the year, I don't have any blind spots. Like I can operate just like all the other developers. Um, I still may choose 
to only do certain types of things that I'm good at, just like I do with the whole team. Every developer, we're like, let's figure out what you're best at and only have you do that. But um, I want to not be like, feel like I can't do certain things. That's cool. I like it. Cool. All right. Well, end of 2023, start of 2024. We got another year coming, Rick. Here, here it comes. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we do this podcast. This is like a really yeah. good force. It's always a good forcing function for me to reflect. I, re- I really Agreed. appreciate I, it. I wouldn't do this stuff if not, for, I wouldn't think about this stuff if not for the podcast. So uh, likewise, are we out? Uh, we're canceling the next podcast. So it'll be a month before people hear from us. Is that right? I believe so. Um, do you okay. want to do you want to reschedule that one? Did we decide on that? Um, I don't know. We'll talk offline. But listener, if you don't hear from us for a month, that's planned. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. And if you'd like to, in the meantime, visit past episodes, visit starttolast.com. All right. See ya.